stand at center back. I have a big interest in education, and I think we all do. We have a huge vested interest in it, partially because it's education that's meant to take us into this future. So I want to talk about education, and I want to talk about creativity. My contention is that creativity is now as important in education as literacy, and we should treat it with the same status. Take two steps forward. Creativity in schools, nearly as extinct as the dodo bird. We need to champion a radical approach to rethinking and reframing the way that schools approach academics and treat the arts with as much reverence as core classes. Ken Robinson would certainly agree in Do Schools Kill Creativity, a TED Talk originally presented in February 2006. Take four to five steps to the right. I heard a great story recently of a girl who was in a drawing lesson. She was six and she was at the back drawing. And the teacher said this girl hardly ever paid attention, but in this drawing lesson she did. The teacher was fascinated. She went over to the girl and asked, what are you drawing? And the girl said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, but nobody knows what God looks like. And the girl said, they will in a minute. When my son was four, he was in the nativity play. Do you remember the story? James got the part of Joseph, which we were thrilled about. We consider this to be one of the lead roles. He didn't have to speak, but you know the bit where the three kings come in? They come in bearing gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They just switched. The three boys came in, four-year-olds with tea towels on their heads. The first boy said, I bring you gold. The second boy said, I bring you myrrh. And the third boy said, Frank sent this. What these things have in common is that kids will take a chance. If they don't know, they'll have a go. Am I right? They're not frightened of being wrong. If you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. And by the time they get to be adults, most kids have lost this capacity. They have become frightened of being wrong. And we run our companies like this. We stigmatize mistakes. We're not running national education systems where mistakes are the worst thing you can make. And the result is... We're educating people out of their creative capacities. Picasso once said this. He said, all children are born artists. The problem is to remain artists as we grow up. We don't grow into creativity, we grow out of it. Or rather, we get educated out of it. So why is this? Take four to five steps back to center. Every education system on earth has the same hierarchy of subjects. Everyone. Doesn't matter where you go. You think it'd be otherwise, but it isn't. At the top are mathematics and languages, then humanities, at the bottom are the arts. Everywhere on earth, and in pretty much every system too, there's a hierarchy within the arts. Art and music are normally given a higher status in schools than drama and dance. There isn't an education system on the planet that teaches dance every day to children the way we teach them mathematics. Why? Why not? I think this is rather important. I think math is very important but so is dance. Children dance all the time if they're allowed to. We all do. Our education system is predicated on the idea of academic ability. And there's a reason. Around the world, there were really no public systems of education before the 19th century. They all came into being to meet the needs of industrialism. So hierarchy is rooted on two ideas. Number one, the most useful subjects for work are at the top. So you're probably steered benignly away from the things at school when you were a kid. 
things you liked on the grounds you would never get a job doing that. Is that right? Don't do music, you won't be a musician. Don't do art, you're not going to be an artist. Benign advice, now profoundly mistaken. The whole world is engulfed in a revolution. And the second is academic ability, which really has come to dominate our view of intelligence, because universities design the system in their image. If you think of it, the whole system of public education around the world is a protracted process of university entrance, and the consequence is that many highly talented, brilliant, creative people think they are not, because the thing they were good at at school wasn't valued or was actually stigmatized. And I think we can't afford to go on that way. Take three to five steps to the left. We know three things about intelligence. One is it's diverse. We think about the world in all the kinds of ways we experience it. We think visually. We think in sound. We think kinetically. We think in abstract terms. We think in movement. Secondly, intelligence is dynamic. If you look at the interactions of a human brain, intelligence is wonderfully interactive. The brain isn't divided into compartments. In fact, creativity which I define as the process of having original ideas that have value, more often than not, comes about through the interaction of different disciplinary ways of seeing things. I'm fascinated by how people discover their talent. Gillian Lynn, she's a choreographer. Everybody knows her work. She did Cats and Phantom of the Opera. Gillian and I had lunch one day. I asked, how did you get to be a dancer? It was interesting. She was at school, she was really hopeless, and the school in the 30s wrote to her parents and said, we think Gillian has a learning disorder. She couldn't concentrate, she was fidgeting, and I think now they'd say she has ADHD, wouldn't you? But in the 1930s, ADHD hadn't been invented yet. It wasn't an available condition. She went to see a specialist. So this oak paneled room, she was there with her mother, and she was led and sat on this chair at the end. She sat on her hands for 20 minutes while this man talked to her mother about all the problems Gillian was having at school because she was disturbing people, her homework was always late, and so on. Little kid of eight. In the end, the doctor went and sat next to Gillian and said, I've listened to all these things your mother has told me. I need to speak with her privately. Wait here. We'll be back. We won't be very long. And they went and left her. But as they went out of the room, he turned on the radio that was sitting on his desk. And when they got out of the room, he turned to her mother and said, Just stand and watch her. And the minute they left the room, she was on her feet moving to the music. And they watched for a few minutes, and he turned to her mother and said, Miss Lynn, Gillian isn't sick. She's a dancer. Take her to dance school. I asked what happened. She said she did, and I can't tell you how wonderful it was. We walked in this room, and it was full of people like me. People who couldn't sit still. People who had to move to think. Who had to move to think. They did ballet. They did tap. Jazz. They did modern. They did contemporary. She was eventually auditioned for the Royal Ballet School. She became a socialist, and she had a wonderful career at the Royal Ballet. She eventually graduated, founded Gillian League Dance Company, and she's been responsible for some of the most successful musical theater productions in history. She's given pleasure to millions, and she's a multi-millionaire. Somebody else might have just put her on medication and told her to calm down. Take four to five steps back to center. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. The gift of human imagination. 
We have to be careful now that we use this gift wisely, and the only way we'll do it is by seeing our creative capacities for the richness that they are, and by seeing our children for the hope that they are. And our task is to educate their whole beings so they can face this future. By the way, we may not see this future, but they will, and it's our job to help them make something of it. Thank you very much.